Well, we're in this study in 1 Peter. If you have a copy of the scriptures, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And as you're turning there, I'm going to ask you to put a marker in it because I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I want to read from God's Word from the New American Standard Bible this morning. So if you'd stand for the reading of God's Word from, from 1 Peter, I want you to hear God's Word for us today. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands so that if any of them are disobedient to the Word, they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. As observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but it let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah bade Abraham, calling him Lord, and you become her children, if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You husbands, in the same way, live your wife, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, right before you sit down, I know you're going, I cannot believe I came to this church. He is using that S word. He should not say that S word. And let's just all go ahead and get out of the way. Let's all say submissive together. Submissive. And, and you know, I didn't pick, I'm just doing an expositional teaching of the Word of God. We just happen to be in chapter 3. But women, hold on, because he's going to talk to us, okay? So y'all can be seated, okay? Everybody relax. You know, that's not a real fun word, but it's a real biblical word. How many people love the biblical words of the Lord Jesus Christ? I do. And you know, I'm not about being PC. I'm about being about Jesus, okay? So we're looking here in this study. We've done several weeks, about week six or seven now, and we're seeing these exiles in this part of the country, in this part of the world, as they're finding themselves fighting for faith, going on about what's going on. And Peter gives us good words about what to do and to expect suffering and suffering for doing good. And that would be a part of it. He starts off with this great uh, process of salvation. We covered that in depth the first few weeks. And then he starts getting a lot more practical. Now this week we find ourselves... He gets to the home, he gets to the husband and wife, he gets to the relationship, and you're like, oh my goodness, this could, this could be painful. Well, hopefully not. And then I think Peter would say this, when you follow Jesus, expect to be in conflict with the world. When you follow Jesus, expect to be out of step with the world. When you follow Jesus, you will be persecuted for my namesake, but I'll be with you. And the church said, I mean, that's just a good word. It's like, uh, you're going to have trouble. Jesus told us that in John. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. That's the message of Easter, which is coming in a few weeks. But let's just go ahead and look here in our notes together, because I want you to see God's word with me. Verses 1 and 2, he begins to just jump right in there, and he begins to talk about lifestyle evangelism. He has this discussion of mixed marriage. And, and the mixed marriage here is Christian and non-Christian. And let me, let me just go ahead. Teenagers, I want you to hear me. Listen, listen carefully. I don't believe in missionary dating. Your mom and dad should have said a big amen. You just left me out there. That's all right. I'm used to it. I'm just over here hanging out there on my side. I never will forget all the years we did student ministry. We had this one little girl and she's a little cute thing. And all the guys that come to me, they go, I don't understand it. Don't understand it. 
She don't pay me, give me the time of day, but she likes the pagan at school. You got to talk to her, got to talk to her. Well, they didn't really care about that. They just wanted to date her and wanted me to break another one. And I kept saying, look, you're unequally yoked, unequally yoked. She kept praying, kept praying. Finally, the boy came into faith. Today, he's a minister, so I guess it worked pretty good. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. The Bible says don't be yoked with unbelievers. Missionary dating is not the way to go. And the church said, it's just not. But here, there are people that were of mixed marriage. And, and let me tell you, I'm so glad times have changed in this sense. The women didn't have a voice. The women didn't have civil rights. The women just were put down. They were undermined. The women sat in the back of the church. The women had to go home and be instructed about what was going on because they couldn't always hear what was going on, probably chasing the kids. They didn't have nursery. They didn't have Chrissy running a great nursery program. You know what I'm saying? It was just tough. But here he talks about a mixed marriage, a believer and unbeliever, and he tells them what to do. She comes to faith in Christ. Because see, in that day and age, a lot of times, the woman would just follow whatever her husband did because he had like authority over the way the Greek code, the way the Roman government was established, the way it worked. But then some women were coming to faith. Women were finding liberty. Lim women were finding freedom. And I said, amen. But then they had to go home and live with, the, <laughs> with him. And him wasn't always real nice. And Jesus addresses here in 1 Peter what you to do. And the thing is, this is the word for 2015. This happens all the time. A woman comes to faith in Christ and her husband wants to have nothing to do with it it's very painful and peter addresses it but we'll get here in a minute i want to see but first of all look there in verse one wives in the same way be submissive to your husbands and i know saying it's ah, ah this this is the hard part well this whole submissive when you really follow up what it means it's so attuned with the heart of the father peter doesn't base submission so much on a women's role but he bases it on the life of Jesus Christ, of what Jesus did for you and me, how he laid aside his authority, how Jesus laid aside his position to be the servant of all. And this submission here, you remember last weekend when Jeff was here, he shared that passage. It says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. That's what it means to follow Christ, to walk in the same steps that Jesus did, to purpose in your heart, to turn your heart toward him, to repent, to let Christ rule in your heart and follow in the steps of Christ. And Christ was a submissive God. Now, Jesus is co-equal. There's a triune, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all equal. But there's roles. There's functions in the body of Christ. Let me put it to you this way. In the home, there's a function that we'll talk about, and that's for the husband to be the head of the home. He's, got, he's, he's the captain of the team. Doesn't mean he's greater. Doesn't mean he's less than. It just means he has the role. And we just need to say, okay, God has roles. He has roles in the church. He has roles in the home. He has roles in the government. He has roles in society. God's all about authority. The kingdom, I've said this over and over through 19 years, the kingdom of God always runs on rails of authority. Write that down. That's free. God's kingdom has authority, and we submit under that, Romans 13, other passages. So God has a way for us as followers of Christ and to submit. So here he's talking about women, and, and we could get all twisted in this, like, well, does that mean I'm a woman, and I've got to put up with him? I've got to put up with that behavior? It could, but let me say this. If you're in an abusive situation, you see me, you see our elder, you see somebody in our church. We, it is not for a woman to be beat up. It's not for a woman to be put down. It's not for a woman to be abused. And the church said, that's a good word. Amen. I would never tolerate that. that. I don't think God is for that. I know God's not for that. 
It's entirely appropriate to take steps to remove a woman from abusive situation. Okay? Let's get that out of the way. But here, let's fill in the first blank. Marriage magnifies the personality you already have. When you get married, does your personality change? Okay. I'm going to ask that one more time. When you got married, did your personality change? Y'all are like, I don't know. Okay. I'm going to ask you a third time. I know you're smart. When you got married, did your personality change? No. Now, there's transformation, there's change in a relationship, but who you are, that's you married that person, who they were. Two sinners came together, forgiven, hopefully, in Christ if they're believers, and their personalities does get magnified. Does your mate bring out the best and the worst in you? You didn't have any problem with that, I noticed. See, marriage magnifies our relationship to our Heavenly Father. You're like, I don't like that. And when it's right, it's beautiful unto the Lord. When it's not right, it it magnifies something else. But here, be submissive. The word is hupotasso. Can you say it with me? You're learning one Greek word today. Hupotasso. Isn't that a fun word? It's just fun to say it. Let's close in prayer and go home. That, that, that would be so dumb for me not to tell you what it means. And it comes, it, it really speaks about this word submissive. It's a military term. It means to arrange troops, divisions, in a military fashion under the command of a leader. Hupotasso, God fashions you and I under the authority of our King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody likes that. In marriage, Hupotasso, God arranges us under the authority of headship, under a man. And some are like, I don't like my man. Well, that's another story for another day, okay? The Bible says woman is a helpmate unto the Lord and to her husband. She makes him better. We just did a marriage conference. We called it Better Alone. We didn't call it that. We called it Better Together. We think we can accomplish more for the cause of Christ married than we could single. We believe we can become more unto the Lord. God has given some the gift of celibacy, the gift of singleness, and they are able to accomplish great things. But then many of us believe that marriage is for us, and we believe that we can accomplish more there. Mate, how many of you this morning that are married believe you can accomplish more married than you could ever when you were single? Yeah. And some of you aren't convinced yet. Okay, all right. Well, women... In this culture, they were treated poorly. They were treated as mere possessions for many men. They had multiple wives and concubines and all that, and that's just sick. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just wrong. And then they had these unequally yoked spouses that were married. And I think the Scripture's not calling, hey, you come to faith in Christ and leave your husband. That's not what the Bible says. It says maybe you can win him by your words. That's lifestyle evangelism. That's under the command of a leader. It's a beautiful thing. It's being captivated by Christ. A wife can set the tone of her home by the tranquility of her heart. Do you believe that? A woman at rest, a woman at peace with her God sets the atmosphere. I believe that with all my heart. They also set the atmosphere for the home. I know in our home, I'm so grateful for Donna, the the spiritual atmosphere for the tone that she set for our home, she'd always tell me, I want to make our home a safe place for you to come to. 
I want to make our home a safe place for our kids to grow up in and be raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I want our home to be a safe place for others to come into. And it was, and it is, and I'm grateful for that. And here, Peter, as you read through this section as I've read to you, Peter is getting them to focus on the hidden heart, not the, uh, the, you know, the good character, not the cosmetics. Did you know in this day they were really into cosmetics? You didn't know that, did you? I mean, it was a, today it's a $17, $20 billion empire, and a lot of people love makeup and cosmetics, and, and, and we'll leave that alone. But, uh, but in that day, I found doing some study, I thought it was interesting, they even dyed hair then. Do you know what the most the favorite color of hair to color in those days was? Anybody want to guess? <laughs> I heard somebody go red, purple. No, no. Blonde. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I know some of you are like, well, that sounds like 2015. Okay, all right, here we go. To your, and, and here, he goes on here. He says, wives in the same way, be submissive to what? He says, to your husbands. He doesn't say be submissive to all husbands. You don't walk in the church and go, that's a married man. I'll be submissive to him. No, 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 no. And some of you are like, yeah, you women are like, yeah, I don't think so. You're submissive to your husband. That's the one that God gave you. Now, you, need to, you might need to talk to the father about the gift you got, but you might need to talk about, well, that, that's way too personal. I, I don't know. I, I, think you're, I think you're a good gift, okay? Wives, let's make our husbands feel better. Turn to him and say, baby, you're a good gift. Go ahead and tell him. Now, everybody that meant it, raise your hand. No, 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 no. okay, all right, all right, here we go. John Piper, great writer, preacher, prolific. He stated some things about submission that I read. I, I, want, to, I want you to hear this. Submission does not mean agreeing with everything your husband says. Women are saying, I'm starting to already feel a lot better about this message. Okay. Doesn't mean you're you know, being despondent and got an attitude. It means it just didn't mean you have to agree. Secondly, submission does not mean leaving your brain or your will at the wedding altar. <laughs> well, y'all can go ahead and tell me, yeah, I don't think so. I know who's the smartest in our house. I don't have to ask you. I already know. Okay, all right. Don't look at me. I'm looking at you, too. I'm thinking the same thing about your house. All right, third, submission does not mean avoiding every effort to change a husband. It doesn't mean avoiding every effort to change them. We'll let the Holy Spirit do that. Fourth, submission does not mean putting the will of the husband before the will of Christ. The will of Christ always trumps the will of the husband. Amen? And when... If the husband asks you to do something that's unethical, immoral, against the scriptures, then I think there's a case that, no, you don't do that because this violates my faith. This violates my conscience. But so much of what we do that we don't want to do, it's just because we've got flesh patterns, we've got ego, we've got pride. The other one, submission does not mean that a wife gets her personal spiritual strength primarily through her husband. She gets her spiritual life from where? From above, from the Father. He is to be a priest, a spiritual leader of his home. But ultimately it goes to Jesus. And sixth, submission does not mean that a wife is to act out of fear. Not a, it's not a Christ-honoring relationship. There's to be love and submission in the home, mutual submission. Just write down Ephesians 5.21, mutually submitting one to the other. It's a, it's a great biblical text. Submission means that you're willing to lay aside your rights and imitate Christ's example in serving others. And that is never easy. Would you agree with me, church? <laughs> Submitting to Christ? It's not always easy. Submitting to a husband? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ? Sometimes that's easy. Sometimes that is most difficult. But I've reminded you, as I will today, we have a helper. We have a God. 
we have the Holy Spirit that helps us in that journey. Obvious, as I said, when you're in step with Jesus, you're out of step with the world. Submission, the world's not talking about submission today because they're, want it to be, they're saying that's sexist and that's wrong and that's chauvinistic and that's pig-headed. No, being submissive is being after Christ. Do you agree with me, church? Being submissive is following the example of Jesus. Being submissive to our husband in the marriage relationship, that's Christ honoring, it's Christ exalting. So here, it's for transformation, it's allowing God to change us. That's ultimately, our, our, our mates have great influence in us, in our, in our lives. But ultimately, the transformation comes from him, and, and he has ultimate word. He, this, this captain of the home, I, I don't want you to go home and say, woman, call me captain. No, 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 no. no. I, I don't think that's going to work well for you. Okay. I think you've missed it. Write down 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. And the man is head of the woman. And God is the head of Christ. And right up beside that, function. Not greater than. Function, form, the way God set up the role of the Trinity. The way that God set up the role of the husband in the home. The woman of witness and he wouldn't just say here, woman, I want you to live in a way that brings honor to Christ. I also want the man to be on a mission. I want to be a spiritual man. I want to be a man that honors Christ, that puts Christ's interest before them, that he prays for them, that he has reverence for them. And then he, in verse 2, look there, it says, but they observe, um, they see the purity and reverence of their lives. They're chaste. They're, they're a pure woman. They're a holy woman. They're, they're a Proverbs 31 woman. I mean, there's, there's great relationship. And the husband is to love the woman like Christ loves the church. That's a sacrificial, that's an, an agape love. And women, I, I want to say this because your pastor needs to say it to you. In the day and age that we live, it's always been right to be prudent and to be modest. And I would say the house of faith needs to lead that we need to be women that are modest, that we are attractive. I'm all about attraction. I mean, I was attracted to Donna, to her beauty. And, I, and I'd say, hey, we, we, we want you to be attractive. And all the men say, oh, yeah, Pastor, I love that. But not to be seductive. What I would say to you women, are you turning heads? Are you turning hearts? Mm. Are you turning heads of young men? Because I am a man. Young men, we know, don't we? Hey, youth, do y'all know what I'm talking about right now? Uh, do I need to draw you a diagram? We're like, oh, man, yeah, whoa, woman, W-O-M-A-N, it is good. Yeah, okay, in the right relationship, okay. But are we turning hearts? Or are we just turning heads? Just a word here. He's just, he's just speaking to us. He's trying to get us to do it right. And look what he says there in verse 3. Let not your adornment be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses. So does the scripture say, woman, you can't wear a dress. You need to wear slacks and pantsuits. That's not what it says. Woman, don't wear jewelry. Well, if it is, I've sinned greatly against my God. I've bought my wife jewelry because I want my wife to have jewelry. She likes jewelry. In, in the Song of Solomon, they talk about jeweled up women. It is okay to wear jewelry. And everybody goes, oh, good, good. I thought you were fixing to take another offering. We're going to have to give it away. No. Now, we don't want to worship that. We don't want it to be the prize of our life. And I understand we, we, we like jewelry here. But he says, let your adornment, women, not be merely external, but let it be internal. Let it be a, a hidden heart of great value to the Lord. Isn't that a good word, church? God wants us to dress on the inside. He wants us to be dressed and robed in Christ. 
And we exude Christ. We express Christ. It's not an incessant occupation with the external, but it's being focused on the inner man, on the inner woman. Jesus be formed in me. Um, as I look at this physical beauty and I look at the spiritual beauty, I, I like what J. Vernon McGee, he, he's dead now, but I want to quote him he, about, about this thing about women being made up. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. He said, if the barn needs painting, paint it. Okay, some of you figured that out in a minute. Okay. So, women, I think it's cool that you like makeup and you like to take care of yourself. And, and I think us husbands should adore you and should treasure you and let you do that. And all the men went, glory to God, yes. Okay, that's good. It's good. But I don't want us to be so wrapped in the external that we miss the internal, we miss the working of the heart of Christ. In Proverbs 31.30, I alluded to it, but listen to it. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Young people, middle-aged people, old people, you want a Proverbs 31 woman. You want to raise Proverbs 31 daughters and granddaughters. It's fitting. It's right. It's honoring it's okay to get a spiritual makeover. Matter of fact, it's a good thing to get a spiritual makeover. And I think that's part of what the church does. It helps us with our spiritual beauty, with our inner beauty of the inward person. And, and I, I was asking the Lord this morning, Jesus, help me to radiate, to express you by the way I live my life, by the words that I say, by the actions that I do, by the thoughts that I think. Lord, I want to express your life. And that's for all of us. A beautiful spiritual makeover, stunning on the outside. That's awesome. But you don't want to be inside ugly. You want to be beautiful in the heart. It's of great value to the Lord. Marks of a tender-hearted woman. I'm just going to move through this. Her actions speak louder than her words. This woman, you know, she came to faith, and she goes home, and she wants to beat her husband up. And I hear about that all the time. My husband won't come to Jesus. He won't come to faith. Ah, I'm going to nag him. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to complain about it. I'm going to nag some more. Here's the comment. Don't nag. Don't preach. Don't complain. Live with him. And if he chooses to stay, tell him to stay. By your words, but more importantly, by your life, by the beauty of who Christ is making you to be, win him. So many times I've seen men come to faith because of the gentle, quiet spirit of their woman. I'm sure she wanted to go home and go, you didn't hear this sermon today? I, I'll tell you how this works. I remember when I first came to Jesus. Can you imagine? I wasn't a preacher yet. And I was sharing Christ with everybody. I was leading people to Christ almost every other week. And I led my roommate to Christ and all these people. And, and the first Easter I was saved, I never will forget, I lined all my family up. There was 33 of them at the lake. And I gave them machine gun Jesus. I plowed it down, baby. I was preaching. And it got me zero converts that day. And I realized the more effective witness wasn't going to be my words. It was going to be my lifestyle being a winsome witness for Jesus Christ. Amen? It's the same way in marriage. So he, he, he tells us, we can talk about this all day, but how does a Christian live with a non-Christian partner? I think in humility and brokenness before the Lord, and they just honor him. 
And, and they're that kind of person, and they respond, and they relinquish their life. And the silent preaching of a lovely wife is of great value to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 4, he just talks about, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart. God is definitely more concerned with your character, women, men, than he is your reputation. But we're concerned about our reputation. I know I am, and you are if we're really honest. But God says, I want you to have character. The character conforming to the image of my son. That's what brings me honor. And, and, and dads, let me tell you, I've raised two daughters, and now I have a granddaughter and a grandson. And, and let me tell you, and, and I catch myself, and I, do, I, I see your kids, and I go, oh, they're beautiful, they're handsome, they're charming, they're cute. And I think we tell them, and that's good, but let me tell you, men, men, we got to get this right. It is so critical that we praise our daughters for their inner lo loveliness more than we do their outward adornment. We praise our little girls for the inward working of Christ. Amen? Church, I'm passionate about this. We have to let them know they are of great value and of great worth to their Father in heaven. And it is their character, who they are on the inside, that radiates the beauty of the magnificent Savior. You're saying, well, you're kind of passionate about that. I have absolutely beautiful daughters, I believe. I know. Go ask my son-in-law. Go ask my daughter. I know they are. But the inner person, that's what God's after. The inner beauty draws us to Christ. And then move on down here with me. You see here in, in uh, verse 5, for this is the way the holy women of the past, they put their hope in God. They used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham, and she called him master. Now, guys, do not take this verse out of context and go home and go, you need to call me master when you address me. I promise you, I promise you, right here, it ain't going to go real good for you. Matter of fact, you might have a black eye, and you might deserve one in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? Here, somebody's like, oh, good, good. I thought if we were going to have to do that, we're leaving the church. We ain't going to call him master. But it could also be like, sir, she was in great respect, Sarah, Loved her husband. She disagreed with him. She called him out, talked to the Lord about him. He did some crazy things, did some faithful things. But she honored him. And that's what this relationship's really about is honor. And, and look at it here. Honor your wife by protecting and helping her. Honor your wife by protecting her. That is our jobs, gentlemen. We protect our woman. And then we help them, and we respect them, and we bless them, and we come alongside, and we dwell with them. The Bible says, live with your wife in an understanding way. Guys, time out. I ain't never going to understand woman completely. You're like, dude, you're probably not having lunch, okay? Might not. And she's never going to understand me completely. But Scripture does not tell them to live with us in this way. It tells us men to live with them, to dwell with them in an understanding way, to study them. I would say, he would say, Peter would say, I want you to be a lifelong learner of your wife. Be a student of her. Study her. 
Well, I'm, I'm just sitting here looking at all this. I've been studying this for two weeks because I didn't preach last weekend, and I'm excited, and I could preach for another hour, and I'm not. i got to land this plane quickly. I'm like, how? But treat her with understanding. The husband is to dwell with them according to knowledge. We make a home together. We share life together. It's a great thing. She's not my roommate. Your wife is not your roommate. Don't turn to her and tell her that, but don't treat her like she's your roommate, okay? And then... The Bible says that Adam knew his wife, and there was a relationship, and there's all kinds of things he tells us here. But we should be devoted to them. We literally should be a one-woman man. I'm in love with her. I honor her. I bless her. She's submissive unto me as unto the Lord. We're submissive to God being the head of our home. But I protect her, and I help her, and I come alongside this woman, and I make it better for her. I like what somebody one day asked Mrs. Albert Einstein if she understood Dr. Einstein's theory of relativity. And she replied, no, I do not, but I understand the doctor. Smart woman. She tried to understand him, and hopefully he understood her. He was being considerate. The husband is to honor his wife. Let's just see it right here from Scripture. Hey, we've been talking about Sarah, Master. Look at verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Now, when people see this weaker partner, people get all hung up and going, you're calling us inferior, you're calling... I don't know if they said it in that voice, I just did that. But anyway, uh, but no, woman is not inferior intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, but usually a woman is weaker physically. It's the way God's made them, and that's okay. I mean, if your wife's uh, stronger than you, you need to get a gym membership. That's all I'm trying to tell you, okay? I mean, come on, guys. Don't be a spiritual wuss. Let's, let's, let's step up, or physical wuss, or whatever. Oh, i got to get off that subject. Okay, wait, wait, wait. She's weaker in that sense, but the other way, she is not weak. She is not inferior. She is strong. Live with her. Proverbs 18, 22. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. I want the favor of God. And favor comes from a proper relationship with your wife. Here it is, guys. Your woman is fine china. I don't know about you. I don't get to touch the fine china much at our house. <laughs> what are you laughing about? And, and when I touch it, it is delicate. And I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up. Now, glory be to God, in 35 years of marriage, I've not dropped a piece of china yet. I hadn't held much china either. But... But it's special. Now, the plastic and plates and all that. Now, we have a, a daily thing called Blue Willow. Donna's all into Blue Willow. And I have been known to chip a piece or two. Didn't go real good for me. Let me just tell you, that, that's messing with mama's good stuff. Okay. But the real fine china, man, I'm like super careful. That's what your wife is. That's what woman is. She is a piece of fine china to treat with respect and honor and treasure. Is that a good picture? Some of you are like... We're going to eat on China Easter. Don't drop it. That's all I'm telling you. My job is to put splendor on her face. Your job, men, is to put splendor on the face of your woman. And if she's got a sour face, ask yourself why. Maybe I hadn't honored her. See, you women were all worried about submissive. Man, submissive, whatever. We're following the example of Jesus. Men, I'm beating us up today, guys. Just go. I'm sweating like a pig up here. This is hard. See, if I teach a book expositionally for a while again, like I wouldn't have picked this this morning. No, no, no I love this. I love the Word of God. I love scriptures. Joint, then he says we're joint heirs. We're co-sharers. We share life together. We're considerate. We're not absent. 
She's essential. I promote honor to her. And she might be weaker in the physical sense. But we're an heir together of the precious gift of life. And then let me give you the last one. An effective prayer life is what he would say here. Effective prayer life, make a commitment to pray together every day and see if your efforts result not only in a more satisfying marriage, but also in greater intimacy with God. Now, we could share on this one for an hour, and we're not, because I need to get the team up here. But what I'm telling you is we need to be praying. We need to have praying homes. I like what Doug Wendell said. Praying with your spouse can be the spark that brings the fire back into your marriage and spiritual life. What other activity could foster intimacy like this? It allows you to communicate your heart and your vision to bring about positive changes, and it draws you both closer to God all at the same time. So prayer has a spiritual power to draw us to our mate even stronger and connect. And there's intimacy, there's bonding there. We can be prayer adversaries or we can be prayer partners. Take your pick. And I pray that we would build homes that would begin to build prayer partners for the honor of Christ. And we begin to make effective prayer teams. And then Peter says, but some of your prayers are hindered because of your relationship. Your relationship has gone south. Your relationship, there's unforgiveness. There's, there's bitterness. There's constant judgmentalism. I, I don't know what's keeping you apart. And he goes, just write down these two verses, Luke twenty two thirty one, 31, and Matthew 6, 14 through 15. And it talks about unforgiveness. It talks about the power of forgiveness. Because you and I married imperfect people, but they married imperfect people when they married us. And God wants to build homes that are effective for his glory. And then here's what I want to show you, Colossians 4, 2. From the Living Bible, it says, Don't be weary in prayer. Keep at it. Watch for God's answers. And remember to be thankful when they come. I think that's one of the things we don't do very well in the body of Christ. We forget to be thankful for answered prayer. In our Wednesday night life group, we always make petition for our church and for one another. And sometimes people will go, I want to give praise for an answer prayer this week. And I know it gives great honor to the Lord. How much more in our marriage that we pray for one another. And we're victorious as we overcome. So Peter's just talking to the home this week. And he's trying to say, husbands, wives, get your act together spiritually. And when you get it together spiritually, then relationally things begin to get in sync. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful for this church and for the authority of your written word. And I'm thankful that you've called us here today, Lord. I pray that nobody has felt condemned or judged. But Lord, I pray there is a spirit of conviction for all of us of where we don't measure up and we need Christ. We need Christ at the center of our homes, at the center of our marriage. Father, for the young people here today that aren't married, that aren't even thinking about marriage or singles, Lord, I pray that you would take principles today and give to them of how to live with respect and honor and how to pray and not have their prayers hindered. God, we want our prayers heard. Oh, God, hear our prayers today. God, hear our prayers every day because we keep short counts with you where we blow it, where we mess up, where we fall short of your glory. Lord, teach us today as we dedicated those five children Teach us to be loving parents that we build their value in Christ. Show us how to pray for our kids. God, we love the honor of participating and petitioning for our kids. Show us how to do that more effectively, God, as a couple. 
is a church. Jesus, draw us to faith today. Lord, for that pastor I met here pre-service, it's on vacation today. Refresh him today, mighty God. Strengthen us in the name of Jesus. Amen.